In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Welcome to The Burn. I'm Monica Haro, your host today, filling in for April Stearns. April is away dealing with a COVID outbreak in her house that went from her teenage daughter to her husband and then finally caught up with April herself. We are sending April and her family all the best for a speedy and uneventful recovery. I'm really excited to be here today to fill in for April and to bring you another awesome wildfire storyteller. Today, we are going to hear a piece about honoring and letting go of the person we were before cancer came along. I was diagnosed with stage 3C invasive lobular breast cancer at 42. If you're like me, you believed cancer would just be a little detour off life's path. When my diagnosis came, I thought, I guess I'm going to hunker down, do chemo, radiation, and a mastectomy, and then I'll get right back to normal. But what really happened was I walked out of my very last radiation appointment and started walking through the parking lot towards my car. And on that walk, I started to immediately have an inner meltdown and I was overcome with fear of the next unknown. I remember clearly stopping in my tracks and feeling like a deer caught in the headlights wondering, what next? What now? What the doctors don't tell you is that a cancer diagnosis changes you inside and out. Sometimes you emerge from the ashes of diagnosis and treatment not sure who you are or how to find the old you or how to move forward. I ended up working in the breast cancer arena professionally and in my volunteer life. I became a community guide for a breast cancer support app and I began to volunteer serving on the board of directors with a local nonprofit breast cancer support group in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is the way April and I really connected. And we began a friendship. I know we saw each other. And now I find myself honored to be part of the team. And for me, these experiences of choosing to work and volunteer in the breast cancer arena have been integral to my healing and finding my new normal, my new me, that I didn't know I would need to find in every area of my life. My guest today used writing to help her make peace with this change and find a path forward. Saskia Lightstar joins me today from London, where she enjoys roaming the forests with her French bulldog, Barnaby La French. <laughs> Saskia was 39 when she was diagnosed stage 3 HER2 positive invasive ductal carcinoma. She's an author, well-being coach, spiritual teacher, motivational speaker, 
Cancer of Misfit, and Happiness Ninja. Welcome to the Burn, Saskia. Thank you very much, Monica. It's good to be here. So cool to connect with you from London today. So Saskia, you're here to read a piece you wrote for Wildfire Magazine's 2021 Grief and Acceptance Issue. This was an issue in which we explored the ways in which grief is synonymous with a cancer diagnosis and how the only way to a place of acceptance is to go through the grieving process. The essay you shared with us is titled, A Eulogy to the Person I Was Before. After you read, we'll chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Saskia, I'll let you take it away. Thank you so much, Monica. A eulogy to the old me. She died suddenly, sitting in an armchair facing the specialist who just told her she had breast cancer. One minute she was there, the next she was gone. She suffered no pain in her passing. She just disappeared. I knew her better than anyone else did. I knew her inside out and upside down, and even though she was far from perfect, she was everything to me, and I feel lost and empty without her. I didn't appreciate her as much as I should have. I took her for granted because I assumed she would always be there. I wish I'd had the chance to tell her more often how awesome she was, to wake her up every morning with a smile and say, I love you, Saskia. I really love you. She always felt she wasn't good enough or didn't look the way she wanted to. And yet now I realize she was imperfectly perfect just the way she was. I realize she was way too hard on herself and spent way too much time pulling herself apart instead of building herself up. She spent way too much time sweating the small stuff, dwelling on the superficial things that in the big picture really don't mean anything at all like silly arguments with friends or keeping up with the latest fads, instead of seeing how much was right in her life and everything she should have been grateful for. I'm going to miss her fantastic cleavage and her super long wavy beach blonde hair. She believed those two things were her identity, the things that made her worthwhile, gave her confidence and self-worth. But really those things didn't do any of that. The confidence and self-worth she believed was hers due to her tits and hair was superficial and never real. She never understood the true meaning of self-love and so she could never see all the loveliness that she was. I'm going to miss her sense of freedom, her sense of invincibility and her readiness to conquer the world. I'm going to miss her crazy rock and roll spirit that got her dancing up on the bar downing shots of absinthe while singing into an empty beer bottle to a drunken crowd. I'm sad that I won't see that part of her again, but I smile gratefully because I got to live some of those crazy, crazy nights with her. She is gone now, and I must say goodbye. Goodbye to her, goodbye to the old me. She is not dead, she's just moved on and let me go on without her. Before disappearing, she left me with a gift of love, a new clean white page, and a box full of Technicolor crayons with which to draw a new life for myself. She is the old me, and it is time for me to draw a new picture of myself. Rest in peace, old me. Thank you. That was so beautiful, Saskia. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, Saskia and I will catch up, and I can't wait to hear more about what a happiness ninja is. (laughs) Hi. 
My name is Libby Riley. I live in Baldwin, Missouri. I was diagnosed with stage 1A invasive ductal carcinoma in July of 2020 when I was 51 years old. I was never a writer before I was diagnosed, but I started using journaling to keep my friends and family posted over the past two years. I also started to use it as an outlet for myself to express my emotions and process what I've been through. When I learned about Wildfire Magazine after my diagnosis, I was amazed by the contributors' pieces. I loved that it was a way for breast cancer patients, warriors, thrivers, previvors, and survivors to share their experiences and stories with the world. Listening to those contributors on the Burn podcast has also been very inspiring. I was a contributor to Wildfire twice before I decided to participate in April's six-week writing workshop. I do not regret my decision at all. It was an excellent way for me to meet others from the breast cancer community in a small and intimate space, but it also gave me a safe space to share my feelings without being worried about what I was saying or how I was saying it. It was so empowering to feel seen and heard, knowing that the others in the workshop could relate on some level. I was amazed at some of the pieces I produced by simply listening to April share other written essays and poems with us and by using her writing prompts. The workshop helped me find my voice further, and I know that it is essential for others to hear it. Thank you, April, The Burn Podcast, and Wildfire Magazine for a great opportunity and a way for me to continue to share my story. Welcome back. Thank you so much for the love, Libby. All right, Saskia, thank you again for your powerful writing and for reading your piece for us today. Let's dive in because I know our chat today is going to be juicy. (laughs) I would love to go back to the process of getting to the point of writing this piece and having, you know, some ceremony for the old Saskia after. And I love the concept of giving yourself some actual kind of, um, ceremony to help process, heal, get closure, acknowledge pain. And I'd love to hear more about your thoughts of um, how, how you got to, how you got to the place of writing this piece. Was it planned? Was it an impromptu thing? That's a lot of questions. Okay. Um, I, my journey, my breast cancer journey, after my treatment finished, I fell into a very deep depression because the doctor said to me, right, it's treatment's over, you can go back to normal. And that's exactly what I tried to do. Except when I tried to go back to who I was, I I didn't fit her anymore. She didn't fit on me. Um, The lifestyle, everything about me had changed because I just faced death head on. Um, and nobody tells you what to do with that. Nobody gave me any guidance. And so for, for the first two years or so after treatment, I was very depressed. I was just didn't have much faith or hope in the future. And it got to this rock bottom where I thought I've just got to let go of who I used to be and discover myself all over again. Otherwise I'm never going to find my peace and joy. Um, And I was already on my spiritual journey, but 
this took it to a whole nother level. And I just, the eulogy just came to me as a way of making it official because I kept trying to go back to this rock and roll chick that I used to be. And I just thought I have to bury her now. And I, I wrote the eulogy and then I went into my garden and I buried the eulogy and I, I really just had this beautiful ceremony, like a funeral for the old person that I was, I laid a flower on the grave. And from then on decided, right, that's it. I'm going to start from the beginning. And then it was like just getting to know myself all over again. That's so interesting how you say like, you know, years one through three, were just kind of this lost way, years of trying to find yourself. I know for me, those were kind of the wasteland years as well. And I'm just so struck by you even, you know, put a flower down for yourself in this hands-on tactile ceremony, which I think is so healing and so important. And it's not, not something I think that we're taught to do, um, for transition spaces in life or, you know, these new chapters, whether it's a good chapter or bad chapter, you know, just giving ceremony to something. I, I think it's so helpful. And I think it's really beautiful that you literally found a went and buried it and found your way doing that. I wish I had thought of that. You can do it with anything. You can do it right. with anything in your life. I think it's a tool that I I, I teach all my clients is, mm. is instead of just thinking I'm going to let go of this or, you know, I'm going to process something. If you do something in action, it, it makes it so much easier for you to, to, to digest and to let go and to move on from. I love that. Putting, putting it in action. Um, in your piece, you had mentioned regrets and holding things dear now that are gone, long gone. Can you say some more about this and, and what you maybe have done to replace it? You know, you talk about your rock and roll lifestyle and and those things. Mm. Tell me more about all that. You know, I, I tell people now that actually for me, personally, and I know this isn't the case for everyone, breast cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because up until that point, I was a superficial airhead. I was a party girl. I really was like, I defined myself by my cleavage and my hair and by my style and by the looks of the man that I was dating. It, It was all meaningless. And Basically, it was all because I I just had no connection to myself. I had low self-worth. I was incredibly insecure. And then the universe, God, whatever it is you believe in, I believe said, right, you need to learn how to love yourself. So we're going to take the two things that you think define you, which is your hair and your tits, and we're going to leave you bald, overweight, um, and with one breast. And now you've got to work out how to love yourself. And it was the worst thing to ever happen to me that turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because I didn't have a clue about having a relationship with myself. I would numb myself with all these outside things. And suddenly I was just forced to spend time with me and get to know me. And it was the greatest gift. And it made me realize that I had, I was a superficial airhead in the past. And I'm not saying that to put myself down. It was, it, that was, it was just, that's what it was, you know? It's like you were just cracked right open. And I have to say, I've talked to a lot of um, people who've been diagnosed with breast cancer since I entered Cancerland almost eight years ago. And I don't meet a lot of people who say, Can't, you know, this was the best thing that happened to me. And 
you know, I hear a lot of people saying, well, this thing happened, but I learned to make this other better thing happen out of it. I, I found good in it to bring out. So I really appreciate just how vulnerable and candid you are saying that. Um, I don't hear that a lot. And I also wonder if people, do you think that people are afraid to say that? Do you think there's more people that feel the way you do? They're afraid to say cancer was the best thing that happened to me. I mean, those are some powerful words to put out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to speak for anyone else because I understand that for a lot of people, it just isn't the case. But all I can do is speak my truth. And I am a believer that the most revolting, horrific things that we go through are the most cathartic things. It's, it's it's those moments that turn us into the phoenix that rises out of the ashes. Yeah. Um, and and ultimately, it's about a choice. You know, I can look back and say, "Wow, the, you know, I used to be this amazing, hot-looking, blah blah blah," and then I got breast cancer and I wasn't. Or I could change perspective and say, "Yeah, but now I'm this really nice human being that has inner beauty and holds space for other people and." I would not want it any other way. If I could go back and not have gone through the cancer, which sounds insane, I would still do it. I would still do it because I actually love who I am today as a consequence of my cancer. But right. I, I'm, I'm, I totally understand that that might be provocative for other people. And this is just my journey that I'm speaking of. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think um, a lot of us in the cancer community, the diagnosis is a big lesson in, in learning to hold space for other people too, in that experience. So you wrote a book called Cancer Misfit. First of all, con- congratulations on writing that book. That's amazing. Thank you. That's a huge deal. I know a lot of our listeners want to write their cancer memoirs. Can you tell us more about this book writing process for you? Yes. Well, like, did you always want to write a book? I, 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 I've always been a writer and my dream was actually always to be a Hay House author because I'm very spiritually based. Um, I didn't think that dream would ever come true. Um, but basically because of the hell I went through for the two or three years after my treatment was over, I didn't want anyone else to go through it. And I, at the time, when I reached out for help, there was no support for life after cancer treatment. You've got all this support when you get diagnosed. You've got all this support when you go through the treatment. Suddenly, the doctor says you're done. And then there's nothing. And I wrote this book to make sure no one else would feel the way I did, that when they finished the treatment, my dream and my my aspiration was that doctors can say, look, here's this book. This is for the next chapter because you, your journey hasn't finished yet. Now is the integration. Now is 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 moving on with your life, and and we need guidance on how to do that. Um, and it's important to me the title, the cancer misfit. Like I don't, I don't want to be always be a cancer survivor. That doesn't work for me because it feels like I'm in this perpetual state of struggle. Whereas I feel like a misfit because. I don't quite fit in like I used to because I've been through cancer. So it's made me a little bit different. And the way I describe it is, is we used to be these square pegs that fit into these square holes. Then we went through cancer and now we're these star-shaped pegs and we don't have to fit in any square holes anymore because we went through cancer. We can, mm-hmm. we can be different. We can, we can mold ourselves to who we want to be. Um, 
So when Hay House wanted the book, that was like, I mean, I can't even describe the words, you know, it was absolute, absolute, absolute dream come true. That's, that's so great. And I always appreciate people who, you know, are the elders in our disease um, that are the ones, like you said, to give guidance for people too. And I wanted to go back to comment on the term survivor, like how it's um, a word that's not exactly connotating how how you felt. I think you said it it implied like struggle and, and stuff with you. I feel that way too. And I've I've spent a lot of time like pondering the language we use around what we call ourselves, you know, thrivers, survivors, um, fighters. You know, there's always the the battle warrior language. So cancer misfit is super unique and it's it's pretty it's pretty spot on, I think. And I might have to just copy using that term. <laughs> it's for everybody. It's yeah. for anyone who wants it. It makes it cooler, you know? It makes it, it I went through breast cancer. I'm a yeah. cancer misfit. Like and yeah. that's a tribe. We're a tribe. Not everyone's a cancer misfit. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great term. In your bio, you refer to yourself these days as a happiness ninja. What is a happiness ninja? <laughs> yeah, most people misinterpret what that means because they assume that means I'm happy all the time. And that's not the case because I wouldn't be a human being if I was happy all the time. But through my spiritual practice, through my personal development and my, my relationship to myself, I've built a foundation within me where I am really happy with who I am and accepting of who I am so that when I go through the same things that I used to go through, like a breakup or a loss or a fight or an argument, whatever, there's still that foundation there. So I never, it, not, it never takes me as low as it used to. I never get lost in such darkness anymore. Mm. And, I, and I suppose that's why I feel like, because I also hate all these life coach or there's so many terms out there. And, and also I don't want to be put in a box because I do a number of things. I'm a writer, I'm an author, I'm a spiritual teacher, I'm a lunatic, I'm a cancer misfit. And a happiness ninja is just, I'm really good at helping other people get happy, find happiness. Because I used to be miserable. I actually tried to end my life before I got diagnosed with cancer. And I love my life now. And I am one of those annoyingly happy people that you want to punch in the face. <laughs> not, not to say I don't have bad days. I do have bad days, but bad days have a totally different meaning when you have this foundation that I have now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, lo I love that. I love all of that. I have to ask you kind of a fun question about Barnaby LaFrench. Has he been along for this whole ride? Was he here before? Did he come into the, the, the cancer misfit party after diagnosis? <laughs> uh, yeah, after diagnosis. I did have a French bulldog too that went through it with me. Um, but then obviously they were old. They got old. Um, but so Barnaby LaFrench is my new sidekick. Mm, I love that. I'm always interested in people's people's pets, if they happen to mention him because they're kind of pretty important in um, our life thriving after. It, it has been for me anyways, and in, in many levels, just as a companion and, and you know, somebody to 
make sure you're going on walks and things like that. Yeah. So, and not yeah. even to do with cancer, but just mental health in general to yes. have a pet in your life. It's like, it's like, it's the, I, I always say it's like a, a creature medication instead of popping antidepressants. I just have a snuggle with Barnaby and I'm, I'm all good, man. You know, yes, a good, a good snug with, with the dog. Um, yeah. Love that. I, I've got a, I just got a rescue dog this year and it's been a game changer for me. Um, in, Congratulations. In yeah, thank you. So I really needed to hear more about Barnaby the French, just because that's an awesome name. And I wanted to say that name again. <laughs> I know it's a good name, right? Yes. Um, Saskia, you have a lot of beautiful tattoo work on you. Um, how has that played into your story with your rock and roll lifestyle through to your cancer diagnosis through to now? What stories do they tell? Most of my tattoos were done before my diagnosis when I was this impulsive rock and roll chick that would literally just on a whim get a tattoo. I think I got a tattoo for every man I ever dated, um, which was fine by me because I liked the challenge of the cover up afterwards. So it was all fine by me. Um, I don't regret any of them. My skin is the story of my life and an expression of the technicolor that's inside of me. So I'm happy. I'm happy with them. But I stopped uh, after the cancer. I think predominantly I had gone through so much pain with the chemo and the radiation and the and the mastectomy. I was like, yeah, I don't want to inflict any more pain on myself. I did do one more piece, which probably are my favorite. And that is after my mastectomy, my plastic surgeon said, you know, we can do, well, first of all, they tried to give me an areola from cutting the one on the other side in half and putting it on there. It didn't work. And then he said, we can use your earlobe or your toe. And I was like, I don't want my <laughs> ear on my tit and I don't want my toe on my tit. So I'm going to leave it. But instead of trying to make that nipple look like it's fine, I want to own this and, and make a declaration to myself that I love myself exactly the way I am. So I got what looks like I was born either as a porn star or a burlesque dancer because I now have heart-shaped nipples on both sides. And I love them. And anyone who's just, you know, over the treatment and is wondering what to do after a mastectomy, heart-shaped tattooed nipples are amazing because you're declaring to yourself, I love myself exactly the way I am. And they look incredibly cool. But if you're single, just heads up, when you get naked, it does give the person that you're with a heart attack if they don't know it's coming. <laughs> I'll just say that much. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing the stories of, of the tattoos. They, they really do um, have a lot of there's a lot behind tattoos often. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Today's writer and guest was Saskia Lightstar. Her piece was called A Eulogy to the Person I Was Before from the April-May 2021 issue of Wildfire Magazine called Grief and Acceptance. Saskia, where can people find you or learn more about your book online? Um, you can find me on Instagram, saskia.lightstar. Um, I'm a bit of a hippie. I don't have too many platforms because I'm just not into it, but I am on there. Um, Barnaby LaFrench is on there too, guys. If you want to follow a very dapper English 
well, a London French bulldog. He's on there too. Um, and SaskiaLightStar.com, you'll find a link to my book as well. Or you just Google The Cancer Misfit. It's on Amazon. It's it's around. Thank you. I do want to follow Barnaby LaFrench <laughs> on social media. And Thank set you. one up for your dog as well. I know. I, I will. I will. Yeah. Thank you. So thanks again. I'm Monica Haro, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and I'm Monica Haro, the production assistant. Want more of the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issues shared in today's episodes, to find our now 36 issues in the Wildfire Archives, and to take a writing workshop with April. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and we want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. Finally, here's today's writing prompt. This is a three-part prompt. For each part, you'll set your timer for eight minutes and write about stopping or editing. Honestly, just keep your hand moving and your fingers tapping. There's magic and leaning into the time. Here are the three prompts. Write them sequentially, one after the other. They are meant to be a series. So it is the fill in your first name, I used to be was. So it would be the Saskia, I used to be was. The next one is the fill in your name, I am today is. The Saskia, I am today is. And the last one, fill in your name again, I am becoming is. The Saskia I am becoming is. Eight minutes on each prompt, write without stopping. See what needs to come out and where it will take you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm wishing you big love and good vibes.